Hello and welcome back to Post-Traumatic Revelations. I am your host, Ofra Caraballo. Today marks the third season of this podcast. And in this first episode of this season, I want to turn the mic around a bit. I want to share a little bit about myself and share my why. It's really easy to give advice, give suggestions, tell other people what they should and shouldn't be doing, but it can be quite difficult and sometimes nearly impossible to actually take your own advice. I have a birthday this month and the older I get, the more I listen The older I become, the better I listen. And I find myself listening more, reading more, being more. And ironically, it looks like I'm doing less. For the first time in, I don't even know how long, many years. I actually have no attachment to what I'm going to do to celebrate my birthday. I, I feel full. I feel this sense of fullness, this feeling of peace in my life. I, I just feel this calm that I've never felt before. Um, I find myself laying in my backyard and watching the clouds. <laughs> drift by or listening to the birds and the leaves and the trees and it's this amazing peace and I find myself thinking wow how blessed am I and I want to share this feeling with everybody I want everybody to know this feeling of peace I want everyone to find post-traumatic freedom. I want to help turn post-traumatic pain into post-traumatic power. I want to help people find their way out of their post-traumatic prisons and into post-traumatic freedom, whatever that looks like for you. I want to turn wounds into scars and scars into beauty marks. Conscious Why started sometime in March of 2000. My first child was about three months old, and I was the happiest I'd ever been in my entire life. I had a reason to live, a reason to be more, 
and I wanted to share this excitement, this feeling, this desire to start being more was so overwhelming. It started me down this journey of self-discovery and I discovered my wounded self. I discovered my angry self. I discovered my helpless self, my powerless self. I discovered my darkness and I discovered my light. I learned that there's a reason why people choose strategies like anger, isolation, alcohol, drugs, detachment, avoidance, suicide, homicide, to cope with their traumas. There's a reason we choose to be hard and defensive instead of loving and forgiving and vulnerable. And that's because it's easier. It's easier to suit up and be guarded post-traumatically. It's really hard to feel the pain, to feel the loss the trauma causes. And it takes longer to repair a broken heart than it does to just numb out. It's easier to isolate, to withdraw, to avoid, or to run than it is to be with the pain and work through the pain. And what the hell does that mean anyway? Being with the pain, working through the pain. I remember being young, angry, defensive, numb. I don't think I felt anything. I didn't feel pain. I felt nothing. So often we don't even realize how lost we are. By that I mean we don't realize how buried our wounds are, how buried our feelings are, how far away from our truth we are, how far away from our hearts we are. In our efforts to feel no pain, we shut down and cut off other feelings as well, like love, hope, forgiveness, the very ingredients needed to heal our wounds, to heal the pain, the traumas we've avoided for so long. It usually takes something pretty big, pretty significant to get our attention once we've chosen to isolate or to numb out as a post-traumatic coping strategy. Sometimes it's an overdose, a failed suicide. Maybe it's incarceration or the loss of a loved one. Or in my case, the birth of a child. Either way, it often takes a broken heart to heal a broken heart or a loss of freedom to find our freedom. The birth of my daughter cracked my heart wide open.
this hardened and calloused heart was cracked, opened, exposed, and it made me want to be more. I felt love that I didn't know was possible, and I wanted to share that with every mom on the planet. As a result, I learned about nonprofit organizations and what it would take to share this newfound feeling of love. I learned that I had no idea what love really was. The breaking open of my heart forced me to feel. It forced me to feel and see things that I had been avoiding and running from for over 20 years. At the time, I didn't know what trauma was. I didn't know what child abuse was. I didn't know that what I had experienced wasn't normal. So I was set on my healing journey through trial and tribulation, (laughs) through careless choices, damaging relationships. I didn't know it at the time, but I just knew I wanted to be the best mom possible. And so I started getting educated. I didn't know what love was, but I knew that I felt something that called me forward, something that made me want to be more. And so Well, I didn't know what it meant to be the best mom possible. I set out to figure that out through education, practice. this education and practice, it never occurred to me that being a good mom meant being a good person. I didn't realize that truly loving my daughter meant that I would need to figure out how to truly love myself. It would be years before I made that connection. I thought I was going to school to earn a degree, to get a job, to help people, and earn money to provide for my kid. That's being a good mom, right? Then I thought I was getting my master's degree to work for an organization that would help people be better parents. 
while, again, earning a living to provide for my children. In the process, though, I started to realize how messed up I was. I was learning about trauma. I was learning about the effects of trauma on the brain, the effects of trauma on the body and on our relationships. And I realized, oh my God, I'm a hot mess. And all of this was like theoretical knowledge and book knowledge, right? So I started trying to practice some of the skills that I was learning in my classes and in my internships. And so I changed the way I disciplined my daughter. Went from spankings to timeouts. I changed the way that I communicated with my partner learning about conflict resolution and communication. I changed the way I spoke with family members, but I hadn't really changed my heart. I was doing things differently, but I wasn't being that different. There was still this disconnect. There was still this distance between what I was doing and what I was being, how I was acting and how I was feeling. I mean, I was doing all the right things, saying all the right things, but my feelings were still guarded. I was smart, strong, efficient, productive, dependable, but not vulnerable, not loving, not emotionally available, not hopeful or trusting. Those intangible things that makes love, love, right? So I was busy doing, but not being. I was a control freak on steroids, to say the least. Everything was controlled. Everything was planned. No room for surprises. No room for betrayals. And it wasn't until I lost this good paying job and I wasn't allowed to properly terminate with my clients something that we're taught is very important when you're working with people in the mental health field, that there's a termination of services, there's closure, there's resolution, but suddenly this great pan job that was supporting my children and me wonderfully and allowing me to help people and educate people and encourage people was gone. It wasn't until I couldn't support my kids or protect my kids from being bullied at school 
or discriminated at school that I realized what my priorities were. So all of a sudden, the good paying job, the great provider for her kids and the great social worker was called to a halt, just stopped. I'd been working and providing and all of a sudden it all came crashing down in the summer of 2012. Everything that I thought I was, everything that I valued at the time, my role as a mother, my title as a licensed clinical social worker, trauma specialist, all of it with two phone calls within minutes disappeared. And I thought, there it is. No one needs you. I felt useless. I felt powerless. I felt worthless. Everything I'd learned to that point, everything I thought I knew, everything that I thought was important in a matter of minutes meant nothing. And so I thought, screw it. I'm done. I'm out. And sitting in that place of nothingness, sitting in that place of numbness, I thought, all right, well, I'm ready to die. And then I heard this voice. I heard this voice as clear as I'm speaking to you right now say, I need you. Now, I knew I was at home by myself, so it freaked me out. And I jumped and I turned around and I'm looking for where the voice come from and who said that and again very calmly I hear the voice say I need you and I'm like what who needs me nobody needs me right and there's this freaking out and this weird knowing like I knew it was my soul it was like my higher self some might call it God's voice (laughs) in fact that's what my son calls his internal knowing his God voice but in this presence, in this space, all of a sudden I felt small and unworthy. And I started listening to the nothing, to the voice, to the emptiness, all these reasons why 
I was unworthy. All these reasons why I didn't deserve to be valued, all of my shortcomings. And then the voice said, I don't care. And from that day on, I started living from that place, that internal place of knowing, that internal place of, I don't care, that place of non-judgment, non-guilt, non-shame, the place of, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. You're still alive and you're still loved. this new awareness, I guess I would call it, I realized that healing requires permission. I realized that love, hope, and healing is actually an inside job. So it starts inside of you that external circumstances they are what they are but who you are inside really determines how you show up right doing the right thing doesn't make you a loving mom or loving partner or caring therapist that you can say the right things but if you're numb inside there's a disconnect there is something missing it's like the secret ingredient of who you really are isn't in it And so connecting to this part of myself, this part of me that needs me, this part of me that needs me to show up authentically has changed the way I show up, right? That if nothing matters, then nothing matters, right? If it's not worth living for, it's not worth dying for. And giving myself permission to show up authentically has changed everything. I now live from this place. I love from this place. I teach from this place. And I share from this place of love, hope, and healing. And my why is to spread this message to 
everyone I meet. We all have traumas. We all have loss and we all have the God giving right to heal. We all have the ability to heal if we give ourselves permission. Now, we know how to survive, right? We've already been to hell. We've already endured unimaginable horrors, traumas. We have our wounds. So the courage is there. But if we don't give ourselves permission to live again, to love again, to hope again, then we stay stuck. We stay isolated in our post-traumatic prisons, surviving but not living, acting but not being. We're trapped behind the judgment, the guilt, and the shame. And we don't grow, we don't heal, we don't thrive. We survive from one crisis to the other. And so permission to be more, permission to be free, permission to heal can change everything. Every living thing can be traumatized. And humans are the only ones who can consciously delay their post-traumatic healing. I was reading this article, this research article by Joseph Cromaldi and Bharat Bhushan, and they tells us that all multicellular organisms, and yes, that includes us humans, all multicellular organisms have the intrinsic ability to heal. To heal, not just survive damage, not just survive trauma, but to heal. And if we look closer, right, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines healing as the ability to make free from injury or disease, the ability to make sound or whole again, right? And Kamaldi and Bouchon say that overall goal of life, the overall goal of life is to survive. And healing is one of the tools that an organism uses to meet that goal. And so if the overall goal of an organism is to survive and healing is part of that, it becomes important to actively do the healing work, to actively give ourselves permission right, to be whole again, to be free from injury, from damage, to turn the wound into a scar. And then 
that scar into a beauty mark, that we have the cognition and the imagination possible, that regardless of what we've been through, our true selves is under that. Our true light may be buried under a ton of crap, but it's still there. So I want to invite you to not only survive your trauma, but to heal it. I invite you to move toward your freedom, whatever that looks like for you. From pain to freedom, from your post-traumatic prison of judgment, guilt, and shame, to allowing that permission. I want you to know that nothing you've done, nothing you've endured can lessen who you truly are. And I want to share with you a quote from Maya Angelou. She says, my traumas may change me, but I will not allow them to diminish me. And that's one of the quotes that I live by, that healing doesn't mean that you'll never be traumatized again. As long as we're alive, we can lose something or be hurt by something. But the ability, the permission to heal, to repair, to recover, that is ours at any given moment. I want to remind you, I want you to know that love, hope, and healing is yours at any time. And it starts with a choice. It starts with permission. And maybe it's not the right time to act. But by giving yourself that internal permission to even think about it, to plan it, to move toward that, your mind and your heart will start moving toward freedom, toward healing. And so I want to thank you again from your time, your permission, and your attention. And I wish you love, hope, and healing. And until next time, be well.